about living for Christ. And I'm still figuring that out by myself. Please don't think that because I have a blog, I know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I actually just answered the call, per se, at the beginning of this year. Wow. So it's something that I was kind of just thrown into. And I'll kind of explain like how I figured out what I'm supposed to do and whatnot. So we're here to learn how to live our lives for Christ. And there are seven things that I want to speak about, seven points that I have that I feel like are really important to understand that concept. I'm not focusing more with like on the actions that you're supposed to do, but more the internal. So what you're supposed to do on the inside so that you can actually produce work on the outside. So just seven things that I'm gonna go over. The first thing that you have to understand when it comes to living your life for Christ is you have to know in your heart that Christ did die for you. Amen. You have to actually believe that Christ died for you. You would be surprised how many people are actually in the church that don't believe. People who have been in the church for years, probably older than I am, that really don't honestly and truly believe that this is real. They don't believe in the Bible. They don't believe in Christ. You know, pastor says amen. They say amen every time. Amen, amen. But in all honesty, they really don't believe. Are we there? Yes. Yes? Okay. So Romans 10, verse 9. If you openly declare that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So the first work that has to be done is you have to actually believe in your heart. Because you can make empty promises all day, every day. But that doesn't mean that you actually know or believe in what you're saying. So the Bible is saying, first of all, you have to have that belief in here first. And then once you have that belief, you can actually profess with your mouth. Because at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit is not working on your mouth. It's working on the inside. And if the inside doesn't believe in what you're reading, what you're seeing, there's no work that can be done. It's all about a transformation. That's the whole part. It's you're, you're transforming yourself when, when you've given your life or when you have faith and when you believe. It's within the heart. And the interesting thing about it is if you don't believe, let's say some of you here are sitting here and you're like, Naomi, I, I hear you, but I, I don't really believe. I don't have that much faith. The cool thing about God is you can just ask. Mm. You literally can just ask. I feel like we take it for granted. We just say, Father God, Father God, Father God, all day, every day. But we don't have proper communication when we want to talk to God. If you lack in faith, just ask him for more faith. Ask him for more belief. Say, God, I don't believe. I want to believe, but I don't. Help me to believe. Help me to have more faith. I need more faith, God. How do I get there? And however he needs to work with you individually to find that belief and that faith, he will do so. If you keep your eyes or keep your eyes open, your ears open as well, you're keen to it, you're looking for it, you're hungry for it, he will definitely provide you the ability to have more faith and more belief. And that's why God is just so gracious. He's such a gracious God because whatever we need, not what we want, but whatever we need, he can provide us with. Faith and belief you need. 
all the other things, they'll come along. But if you have at least the belief, trust me, he, he can do amazing things in your life. All the other things will fall into place. And it's important that we're very transparent with God and transparent with ourselves. Like I said, all day, every day, Sunday, we're praise Jesus, praise the Lord. But our lives Monday through Saturday don't reflect that. We just, oh, I, I go to church, so I'm good to go. No. And you know that in your heart that you really don't believe. You have to be transparent. Trans like I wrote a blog called Transparency is Key. That's the first one I wrote. It's important to be transparent, open. If you don't have it, ask for it. If you don't have it, ask for it. I swear he'll give it to you. He'll give you faith because I struggle with faith. That's what I'm saying. Like, I didn't just wake up one day and I was like, oh, I'm going to write a blog. No, like, it was a battle. And I was like, God, I don't really want to do this. God, I don't, I don't really have the faith to do this. Things were happening in my life. I was just lacking in faith, and I just had to ask. And, you know, he started providing for me that faith, that belief that I needed. So he'll do the same for you if you ask him. So that's the first point, knowing within your heart that Christ did die for you. The second point you have to look into is once you've given your life to Christ, the old you is dead and the new you is risen through him. Before you gave your life to Christ, or before even Christ even came, let's not even talk about giving your life, before Christ came, you were considered a slave to sin, right? And we can back that up if you turn with me to Romans 6. I like Romans, by the way, so a lot of things come from Romans. Yeah, so, Romans 6, uh, we're going to read from 4 to 8. Is everybody there? We're close. I'll start. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died from Christ, we know we will always live with him. Amen. Amen. I find it... Something I find so interesting is I look at the Israelites and their sacrifices. They were sacrificing those animals in replacement of themselves because the wages of sin are death. So they needed a way in order for God to excuse them per se, excuse them from their sin. This is before Christ. But since Christ came, you know, what he did when he died, it wasn't that he just lied down for three days and then came back up. No, he took the power of death and sin from the underworld so that when he rose, he had control over those things. So now us that die within Christ or die to ourselves when we give our lives to Christ, in the same way that he died and rose, we also die and rise to something new. We also die and live to our calling because Christ didn't fully live in his calling when he was before he died. He didn't fully live to who he was supposed to be when he died. It was until he rose that now I can sit at my father's right side. Hallelujah. So we have to understand that once we die to our old selves, to our flesh, once we've given ourselves to Christ, we are new. And the thing about giving um 
about your flesh is it's a constant battle. We shouldn't forget that you will sin, even though you have given your life to Christ. You're going to sin because you're human. It's something about our flesh. It's what we do. But now you have the power to say, God, I need help. God, I am, I'm struggling with this, Lord. How can I overcome this sin? How can I raise myself away from this sin? And again, that's why God is so gracious. The bridge has been, has been made because before we couldn't ask for that. Before we were not able to be like, God, can you help me out real quick? No, he would kill you. <laughs> it's true. If, if, if you, uh, you sinned, I mean, the community would stone you. Something would happen to you. They burn you. You don't even have the option to, to even ask. Now, because of Christ, you have the option to ask him for help, and he will give you the help that you need. And that's why, to me, he's just so gracious. And, you know, when you give your life to Christ and you make yourself new, the Holy Spirit is there to lead you. So it's like, an, again, a transformation within yourself. The Holy Spirit can help you uh, get rid of your sin. The Holy Spirit can guide you in ways to help you not fall into whatever temptation or whatever thing that's causing you to stumble. So that, again, is just, he's so gracious. But that only happens if you actually allow him to help you. We have the option to say yes or no. So we have to be open to be like, yes, Lord, I will do what you've asked me to do. I don't want to be bound to this thing anymore. I want to rise above it. Amen. So Amen. I think God is just so, so gracious. gracious. So gracious. And, you know, when we die to our sin or when we've given our life to Christ and we were raised as a new person, you'll notice that you don't like to do the things that you used to do. Mm -hmm. There's certain things about you that change. Nobody has to force you to, or tell you that you have to do this. That's between you and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will start convicting you and start telling you, hey, this has to change, that has to change. And that's why it's so important to have that belief within the heart because it only can, you only can be transformed within the heart and then it comes out of the mouth. So that's how people can really tell if you're a Christian or not because or people be like, they don't know my heart. But we know your heart by what you're saying. We know your heart by what you're doing. So, you know, let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you when it comes to your sin so that you understand that you are new. You are not bound to who you used to be. You are entirely a new creature. Third point, living your life for Christ. You have to know where your identity lies. I actually spoke about this last week Sunday at church about the identity and purpose. But when it comes to your identity and what I was telling or what I was telling them last week was you have to know who your foundation is built upon. You have to know who you are founded in. And in me and in saying that, you have to know do you identify with the world or do you identify with Christ? Well my my pastor in Miami I was listening to her podcast last week, and she said something about the spirit of the world. I think in Christianity, we use a lot of vernacular, or a lot of language that most people don't understand, and most of us really don't understand either, but we pretend every Sunday that we understand it. But she really broke it down for us, the spirit of the world. It was like, it's not the matter of the actions that you do, but are you entertaining the spirit of unforgiveness? Are you entertaining the spirit of jealousy? Are you entertaining the spirit of lust? Because we know that God is a, uh, has a spirit of peace, of forgiveness. Of, he doesn't, he, like Jealousy is not really his spirit that he would give to other people. He's jealous of us, but that's not something in which comes from him. So what spirits are you entertaining? That's how we'll know who is of Christ and who is not. 
How are you acting? What actions are you carrying out? You know, if, for example, somebody who goes on social media, I know we all have social media, and every day you are just saying, I don't like the way she dressed. I, I can do better than her. Or, oh man, he, he has a better body than me. I wish I could get that, but he ain't nothing though. Always bringing somebody down continuously, having a spirit of jealousy. But it's just like, if you're jealous, take yourself away from the environment. Like, why feed or entertain that spirit? There's no point. It doesn't produce any fruit. There's no point in entertaining spirits of, spirits of the world. I'm not saying people, because the thing is, we're supposed to be alive unto everybody. So we can mix, per se, to an extent, with other people that are not Christ-like, to be a light unto them. But to entertain maybe what they produce and what they have is definitely not something that we should be mm. doing. That is going to separate you from the world or do you identify with Christ. And another thing when it comes to your identity is you have to be willing to stand. You have to be bold. Because the world is going to be so bold about what they believe in. But the church, for some reason, just kind of gets back in a corner and just mm. kind of covers themselves, but we believe in Jesus. But what are you doing that shows that you believe in Jesus? What what stance are you making? If your friends are gossiping about somebody, and let's get this, God cares about people. So anything that tears people down, he's not about it. So if people are gossiping about somebody, you have two options. You can either tell them to stop, like, I don't know why you guys talking about her or him, let's stop that. Or take yourself out of the situation. Be bold about what you know. Be bold about what Christ has told you. You have to be bold because if you are not, the world is going to tell you what you should believe in. The world is going to tell you who you should be. And that's just not how it's supposed to go. I was talking to my mom earlier. I said, the world, the church is held at a standard. Have you ever thought why we have Saturday and Sunday off? Saturday because the Jewish people celebrate Sabbath. They've changed the culture so much that the, that the Romans had to acknowledge their Sabbath. That's why we have Saturday off. Sunday, because the church changed the culture around that time, so we have Sunday off. So the church has such a strong influence. We could set the standard of what it means to be human, really, because the world lacks that humanity. We are here to set the standard. So it's so important for us to be bold about what we know and sure about what we know. But the thing, it comes, you know, being bold doesn't mean throwing a Bible in somebody's face and throwing scripture in somebody's face. Because a lot of us, let's not pretend here, a lot of us don't read. So we're just going off of what somebody said to us in church mm. or what somebody, who, maybe a, a leader that's not the best leader, let's be honest, tells us, and then we go out there and we just start saying whatever to people and thinking that's going to lead them. If I condemn them, that's going to lead them. No, you have to be spirit-led, especially when you're being bold. It has to be done in the appropriate manner, not that you just, again, throw a Bible in somebody's face and condemn them and judge them. That's not the spirit of God. That's not how it works. So just always continue to be spirit-led when it comes to um, being bold for Christ. Another thing in your identity because you identify yourself with Christ, because you have given your life to Christ, you are supposed to produce fruit. Simple, that's it. You're supposed to produce fruit. People shouldn't be questioning you if you're a Christian. You should be somebody whom they're like, oh, I don't know, something about her is different. 
I don't know. I, I kind of like her. She's she's different. All the other people in the place could be doing something, but you, you are just different. Produce fruit. As in, if you're in a situation, be that patient person. Be that forgiving person. Be that person that the other people are not being. I'm not talking about producing fruit as in, I got a car, I got a house, I got a job. That's great. But what fruit are you producing? What can people say? They know me and my friends, we have a joke. We'll say around like, oh, I don't know, point at somebody, like maybe somebody we've spoken to or just anything we'll be like, but what's your fruit though? What fruit have you produced? If you're going to preach the Bible to me all day, every day, because some people like to come for us and start talking Bible to us and this and another, but it's like, what fruit have you produced? What have you done? Can you tell me what you've done? Oh, I go to church on Sunday. Okay, great. What have you done? Who has been led to Christ by you? It's not even that you have to speak to that person and be like, you have to follow Christ. No, the best way to lead somebody to Christ is by example. You know, I have um, one lady in my, I shadow at a doctor's office and she's the nurse practitioner there. And for the first three weeks, I kept telling my mom, I said, man, I like her. I mean, I still talk about her. I told her about her today. I said, I absolutely adore this lady. This lady. Something about her is just so different. And it took me three weeks. I asked her, I said, are you Christian? She said, yes, I am. But in my heart, I really didn't have to ask because I knew she's different from everybody. She doesn't talk like when other people are gossiping there. She isn't entertaining the gossip. She's patient with the patients. She's so kind. You don't have to question if she's Christian or question if her identity lies with Christ. Her, her life just produces that fruit. She set for me a standard of excellence. And in Christ, you are supposed to be that standard of excellence in the world. You are the, you are the, the, the thing that people can achieve to be. Wherever you are in your studies, you are supposed to be excellent. In the way you treat people, excellence. In everything, excellence. You are called to have a spirit of excellency. And trust me, we don't have to ask you if you're Christian. We shouldn't have to ask you. Your life is going to show that you are Christian. Your life, not your words. You know, the Holy Spirit, it's, it's a joy to even let the Holy Spirit use your mouth to speak. Like, me up here, I'm sitting here, I'm like, wow, like, you guys are really listening to me. <laughs> like, I'm just like, oh my goodness. I never thought I'd be in this position. I really didn't. But, you know, Pastor Tade saw something in me. The Holy Spirit works with me and is still working with me. So, your life is going to show that you have produced fruit. Nobody should ask you will already produce automatically. That's why they say like faith without works is dead. If you have true faith, you'll automatically produce works. It's not something that somebody has to force you to do. You will automatically produce that work. So that's what your identity lies with. That's the foundation of your identity. You have to understand what your identity encompasses before you can actually go out there and start living. And the thing is, again, it's all a journey. God is gonna lead you through. If you just, be, if you just surrender, and allow him to work with you, you're gonna learn all of this. You're gonna continuously learn everything, you know? And I think for this generation, the most important thing that I can say is we have to understand that we need to have an eternity mindset. This generation is for the here and now. We're always for the here and now. We want food to go to the drive through, we get it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever else, social media, Wi-Fi, it works like that. You want everything now. 
But you have to understand that good things take time. And God raised us to be people who are patient. Everything, every good thing takes time. I mean, you don't go to school just because you want to go to school for now. Mm. No, you go to school because you know that you need the education to get you where you want to be in the future. You know, some of us or this generation, we're so used to just dating anybody right here. He's cute. Let me date him. That boy, he's nice. Let me date him. That girl, she looks good. Let me date him. Now, 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 now. Mm. But the thing is, God is preparing you. He wants you to be prepared before you start getting into marriage or mm. relationships. He's giving, he's trying to prepare you. That's mm. what this whole thing is about. Wow. Eternity. Where he's preparing us for to live with him, to, to see him, to praise him. We can't even fathom what eternity is. Mm. Nobody can really quantitatively tell you what eternity is. It's something that you cannot, a concept that you can't understand. So it's just like, we need the preparation. And that's what this life is about. It's a preparation to bring glory for the Lord, but to also prepare us. So we have to understand that our actions today really do affect our tomorrow. It's not a now, 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 now. We have to be cognizant of what we're doing right now and how it will affect us in the future. So the fourth point, when it comes to living your life for Christ, and for me, I think this is one of the most important points, you need to have a personal relationship with God. Amen. You have to, have to, have to have a person, personal relationship with God. Form your own. How do you do it? That's a big question. People ask, how do you do that? First of all, read your Bible. Mm. <laughs> read your Bible. It is the only book that really you will read in this life, that when you read it, it reads you. Mm. So it's like a mirror to who you are. It shows you who you are. If you allow it to, it's a living and breathing book. The Bible, it breathes. If you, if you give it the chance to speak to you, it will speak to you. Amen. And that's the, the first form of communication that God has for us. And to knowing who he is, the Bible is the first communication. So we have to read it. How will we know how God will act if we don't read the Bible? How will we know his characteristics if we don't read it? You know, I appreciate my Muslim people and Jewish people. Why? They sit there and they read their book. Us Christians, we're lazy. We're lazy. We oh, I'm saved by grace. Grace. We so we throw grace. Sorry, we throw sorry. grace around everywhere. But we don't know the fundamentals of our faith. You have to read your word. Because if somebody comes to you crooked saying things about God, you need to be able to refute that. You need to be able to say that, I don't, mm, that doesn't sound like God. Even if, you, even if you don't know where it is in the Bible, you should be able to at least say yes or no. Some of us, we're so confused about things that happen in our lives. But it's just like, God has done this before. If you read it in the Bible, you would have known already how this plays out. You need to know his characteristics. You need to know how he acts. We're so stumbled by God sometimes, but we're stumbled because we don't know him. We honestly and truly, the body of Christ does not know him the way we should know him. So it's important for us to read our word. Number one. Number two, prayer. That's the number one form of communication directly to God. See, he left the Bible for us to understand him, but prayer is the number one communication. You know, I think sometimes... The body of Christ complicates prayer. We have to make it, Father God, Father God. We have to say about 20 Father Gods before we actually get to our prayer. But at the end of the day, it's a simple conversation. How I'm talking to everybody here is how I conversate with God. Amen. We have a relationship. I can confidently say that me and God have a relationship. Amen. Why? Because I spend time talking with Him Amen. every day. Amen. And I, can, I don't understand how people go 
days. You say you're a Christian, days, without talking to God. How? It's not possible. How? <laughs> it's just not possible. You need to communicate with God. And the thing is, in your prayer time, you know, being silent also, he can communicate to you. When Elijah ran away from, what's her name? Jezebel. And he went to the mountain and God kept waking him up to eat. And then one day God said, meet me on the mountain. And it says that an earthquake happened, but God was not in the earthquake. The volcano happened. It was not there. Everything happened. He was not there, but he was in a soft whisper in the wind. God is so silent sometimes, but we just don't listen. And prayer is the one way we can tune or fine-tune our ears to actually listen to what he's saying to us. We need to get in the habit of prayer. And if prayer becomes too boring for you, change it up. Mm. Stand up next time. <laughs> Have a conversation. Tell them how you're feeling. Glory. If you're angry, tell them that you're angry. If you're frustrated, even if you're frustrated with him, tell him. Mm. He already knows. Why hide it? Mm. Tell him how you are feeling. Tell him exactly what's going on with you. Ask him, God, how's your day going? Mm. Ask him, how are you doing today, God? Is anything going on with you? How do you feel about what's going on? Because I'm sure he has a lot to say about what's going on in this world today. And he's waiting for people to listen to him. We just have to open our ears and do the work to actually be present to listen to him. Amen. Third thing, when it comes to having a personal relationship, praise and worship. I was just so moved by like those just young girls singing. Like, I'm like, wow. Like, honestly, I was just so moved within my spirit. I wanted to cry, but I was like, I can't cry. I put too much makeup on. So I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can't looking ugly. I, <laughs> Trust me, I, I wanted to really cry because it was just so beautiful. The thing that we miss about praise and worship that, first of all, it opens up our hearts for God to speak to us. Two, Chains can be broken just through praise and worship. If you are suffering through something, put some Marvin Sapp on. Put some Shekinah glory. Put something on and sing. Sing until you don't feel it anymore. Those are chains being broken. Sometimes you don't need to go to night visuals every time. We don't need to go out and pray on the mount every day. Sometimes you just need to pray on our face and praise and worship in front of our Lord. You bring the presence of God within your house. Church doesn't always have to be four walls. If you have three people, you guys pray in a, in a room together. You praise and worship in a room together. You can bring church right there. Mm. You, can, you can break chains right there if you just do the work of praise and worship. Mm -hmm. And you cast your cares into the Lord. When you praise and worship, it's like you're putting your cares, all that you're, that's burdening you, you're putting it on the table. You might not have to say it, but you're putting it out on the table. I was reading in Romans, I won't quote it properly, but I remember what it says. It says that sometimes we can't speak and the Holy Spirit takes like, um, like, mum, like unsound words to speak on our behalf. Even if you don't have words to speak and the song is playing, sometimes I'm so sad, I can't even speak. Sometimes I can't, you know, life sometimes has so many twists and turns. I can't even speak. I'm just so burdened. And I just play the music and I let that be the communication to God. And I definitely leave that time better than I did when I was coming in, for sure. So it's important for you, praise and worship. Find whatever works for you. 
find whatever individually works for you so you can cast your cares into the Lord because we're not meant to hold that burden. We're not meant to hold those, hold on to those things. That's why we have Christ. That's why we have God. We need to cast our cares unto him. The, the life, is, life is too hard. You know, Christians always say that God won't give me more than I can handle. That's a lie. Everything in life, honestly, is more than you can handle. That's why you have to rely on him to help you handle those things. Hallelujah. It's true. Praise God. It's, it's, it's a fallacy within our church. We always say that, but at the end of the day, he's, he wants you to ask him for help. And if you can't pray, you can't read your Bible, you're all shaken up. Praise and worship. Praise and worship. He's, he's just waiting for you. That's all. He's just waiting for you. He's literally waiting for you. So just praise and worship. Pray. Talk to him. And we need to stop our relationship being so shallow. We need, you know, we can hashtag relationship goals on Instagram, Facebook. But how about hashtag relationship goals in reference to God? Mm. We need to stop being so shallow. We're just so shallow. The body of Christ is so shallow. Some, there's only so many people working. The rest are just, mm, yeah, praise be to God. Okay. And that's it. That's as far as it goes. No, we have to actively be present. Actively pursue Christ. Actively work to get to know him. He's already chosen you, but now he's waiting on you to answer the call. He's waiting on you to find him wherever he is. He's waiting on you to form that relationship with him. So form that relationship. Be active. Be active. It's not going to go to waste. You're not going to lose anything. Just be active. Be active. He wants you to pursue. He's looking for you to pursue. He wants you to pursue. Just pursue. Just look after him. He's, he's definitely wanting you. To be, wants you to be in his presence. At my Israel trip, one pastor said that the reason we get before God in his presence is to feel a taste of the kingdom. Mm. So can you imagine if you just praised and worship and that was the best feeling you ever had? Can you imagine what it would be to really be in the presence of God, physically in the presence of God? So remember those moments that you had and continuously keep those moments and continuously do them. Over and over and over and over and over again. Praise and worship. Pray. Read your Bible. Do it. He's looking for you. He's waiting on you to answer whatever he needs you to do. And ultimately, I can say this all day. I can talk about personal leadership. I can talk about all of this stuff. But it all won't matter if you don't have a desire. You need to have a desire to get to know him. You have, to, you have a choice. The thing is, we forget that we have a, what is it called? Um, um, yeah, we forget. You have a choice to say yes or no to God. So you have a choice. I could talk up here all day, but you have to actually desire him. You have to say yes. It has to be, let your yes be yes and your no be no. God don't like lukewarm. So let your yes be yes and your no be no. Desire him. Look for him. Pursue him. Like I said, all of this doesn't matter if you don't care. If you don't want to know, you don't care to get to know him, it doesn't matter. He's not going to present himself to you. Why would somebody give you secrets or give you things about himself if he doesn't have a relationship with you? You're, you're looking for, oh God, reveal this to me, reveal that to me. 
Now that's all you ask for. Just reveal this, reveal that. But you haven't sat in his presence long enough for him to reveal it to you or to form that relationship. So how does that work? We can't do that on our daily lives. So how do we expect us to do that with God? It doesn't work like that. We have to pursue him. Fifth thing. Know you were made with a purpose because of your identity. Because of your identity with Christ, you automatically have a calling. I'm going to go to two different scriptures this time to get a further depth of what that means. I'm going to go to John 15, verse 16. So John 15, verse 16. Is everybody there? Okay. So, it says, You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Read that, and then we're going to go to Psalm 139, 13 through 18. Kind of jumping around here, I know, but I think... This one is even more important than the, or this verse is kind of even gives a bigger view of what I'm trying to say than the last one. So Psalm 139, um, verse 13 through 18. Okay, everybody there? Yeah? You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's room. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumbered the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Amen. Yeah. That was beautiful. I love, I don't know how the Bible, people find the Bible boring. I think it's really articulate. If you're, if you're an artistic person, you'll find something in the Bible. If you're a structured person, you'll find something in the Bible that suits you, your style. That right there to me is beautiful. The psalmist is beautiful and it just reminds me that god has been looking at you since you were before you were even born before you even breathed your first breath when you were in your mother's womb he's been looking at you he's called you for a time like this 